Wow. Doesn't that say it all this time of year? Isn't that about what you feel like a little bit? Like, man, what am I about to be up against? School, I know, starting either tomorrow or, or right around the corner for most of you. And uh, this time of the year just ramps up. If you've been on vacation, you know what it's like to come back and look at your inbox afterwards and you're doing this, you know, like looking at your calendar and going like, how did I, like, why did I go on vacation, right? Like, there's so many emails in my in-basket right now, so many tasks to do. And this time of the year always brings this kind of feeling for us. And today, we're talking about switching gears. Like, how do I switch gears from a season of, like, summer where I was just, I was kicking back, you know, and I had my toes in the sand, and it was so nice, and now all of a sudden, everything's changing. So this week, we're going to talk about gearing down, what it means to gear down in such a way that when you face all the schedule, all the crazy that you're about to face, you can do it in a way that you don't feel disconnected, that you don't feel like overwhelmed. And then next week, when you come back, we'll talk about gearing up. How do I then get focused and kind of live the life that matters? Live a life that matters amongst a hectic schedule. Now, in our, in our culture, I think you would probably agree with this. In our culture, when someone says, how are you, and you answer, I'm busy, what do we mean when we say, I'm busy? What's that really mean? Anybody think about, like, what do people really want to say when they're saying, I'm busy? What do they say? What's that? Yeah, okay, I don't have time for you. What else do we mean by, I'm busy? Don't bother. I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes we mean I'm important, right? Or I'm doing my job as a parent. Like, oh, I'm busy. I'm taking my kids all around to the the thousand things that we signed up for. And so, like, I'm busy, right? Like, sometimes we mean all kind of things, right? Overwhelmed. I'm important. Look, I'm I'm not a slacker, right? Like, we mean all kind of things by I'm busy. And in our culture, we really, we wear busyness like a badge of honor, don't we? Like, right? Like, look, I'm busy. Badge of honor, give me a sticker. I am busy. See, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because our culture values that. But the truth is that busyness is often a consolation prize. I mean, it's not really what we want. What we think we're going to get out of busyness, do we ever really get that? Do you ever feel like satisfied? Do you ever have that feeling of like, I'm so busy, I have all these things to accomplish, and yet I never feel a sense of accomplishment? I'm just on to the next thing and on to the next thing. And, and the truth is, the truth is that busyness is often the enemy of the spiritual life. It's often the enemy of a richer, deeper, connected life to God. And I bet if I asked any one of you here this morning, like, hey, do you want a deeper life with God? Would you like to have a deeper connection with God? Would you like to enjoy a little bit more your spiritual life? I'd be willing to bet that if you're here this morning or you're someone at some point you listen to this podcast, you, you are inside, you're going, yeah, I want that. Because otherwise, you're not here. You're not, you're not listening to this. But because you're here, you're going, okay, yeah, I do want a deeper connection with God. I would really like that. And because of that, my guess is that if you looked at your life right now and about what you're going to head into the fray of the busy, fall, hectic schedule, you would say, but... While I want that, I'm struggling to have a deeper life with God because I'm so busy. Hurriedness, hurriedness, especially on the inside, and this time of year, that's what happens when we feel all the weight of all that other stuff. 
hurriedness on the inside becomes a state of being for us. You know, it's like we live in a constant state of panic. And it's the enemy of being the healthy love soul that God created you to be. It's the enemy of living the life that God wants you to live. It's the enemy of being able to be a part of the opportunities that God wants to provide. There's a uh, story that I will remember for a long time. It was in a book called Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. I think I've told it here before, but it's so good. It's so applicable. They did this experiment. They went to a seminary. They interviewed seminarians, and they said, hey, and they picked a subset of seminarians and said, we are totally committed to like helping under-resourced people. Like, this is what we want our lives to be. This is why we're in seminary. We're all about that. We want to help, like... People who can't help themselves, we're all about that. We're convicted. We want to live our whole life that way. And so they interviewed these guys, and they put them in a room. They said, that is great. We're going to have you speak on the Good Samaritan story, which is all about helping people who need help. Okay, so we're going to have you speak on that. They put them in one room, and then they said, we're going to have you speak in it, though, in a different room, in a different building. And then secretly behind the scenes, they put a person at the bottom of the stairs, at the exit of this building, so that they would have to step over them who was homeless and distraught and obviously needed help, okay? They told the seminarians, they told half of the people, like, they get up and say, you know what, you've got plenty of time, but why don't you start making your way over there? And they told the other half, all of them convicted about the kind of life they want to live, they told the other half, hey, listen, it's, it's getting kind of late, sorry, I didn't tell you on time, but you better, you better get over there, you're going to be late. Now, remember, all of them totally convicted about what they want to live their life like. Do you know who stopped? Can you guess? People who weren't in a hurry. The people who didn't feel rushed on the inside stopped and helped that person, almost every single one of them. And almost every single one who was in a hurry stepped right over them on the way to where they were going. And see, this is the kind of life that we get to choose, the kind of life we want to have, one of significance or one of selfishness. And it's not that we choose selfishness, it's that we choose hurry. Because hurry is the enemy of the soul, living the kind of life that God wants you to live. And so if if you've ever been in that space where you know that, man, I've been there. I live in that state of panic, and I rush, and I'm I'm busy. and And you know what happens to your relationships there, right? Like you know that in that state, you are probably freaked out. You are probably stressed out. And everybody around you is like, whoa, whoa, because of the place that you're in. And if we don't slow down, we will miss out on God's best for us. So that's why we're talking about it today. And today I want to talk about this. I want to start with this passage in Mark. And because it kind of it kind of frameworks these two Sundays that we're talking about gearing down and gearing up because it's modeled off of Jesus' life. And there's this passage in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, which is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's when Jesus started to actually do things and be recognized by people. He got kind of popular. You know, he started, like, people started really seeking him out all the time. And so today, this passage models the kind of life that we can live amongst the hectic schedule. You might think, oh, well, Jesus lived back then. He didn't have email, and he didn't have phones, and he couldn't be reached all the time. No, he just had like thousands of paparazzis following him all the time, people sneaking up in the crowd to touch him and put their hands on him. That's just, you know, the kind of life that he lived, where you and I don't, I mean, I don't, well, some of you maybe have some paparazzi. Anybody have paparazzi following around? I don't. I don't. And so um, this morning, we're going to look at this passage to help us understand how did Jesus live a life amongst a very hectic life and ministry schedule, and yet 
How do we have this deep connection of God with this sense of fulfillment out of it? So Mark chapter 1, verse 35, you'll find it in the top of your outline or on the screens this morning. Um, here's how it goes. Before daybreak the next morning. Now, for some of you, before daybreak is like 9 a.m. and others it's 9.30. But anyway, you catch that? Anyway, so before daybreak the next morning, Jesus, yeah, some of you are just getting that. that. Welcome back. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And later, Simon and the others went to find him. Let's stop there for a second. So before anyone else gets up out of bed, okay, and he was probably staying in a common room with 20 or so other people before anybody else is up and out, Jesus is up and out. Down the narrow streets of the city he was staying in, out to find some common ground before the sun even comes up to be alone and pray. And when, when the disciples get up, What's the first thing they do? They look around the room. Jesus isn't in the room. Everybody, and they come to Jesus, and what do they say? Jesus, everyone is looking for you. They they go to him. They say, when they find him, they say, Jesus, everyone is trying to find you. They're all looking for you. People need you. And so in verse 37, he goes on to say, like, hey, I know everyone's looking for me. But instead of panicking, instead of saying, oh, man, I I know, and I better get busy, and I have all these tasks to do, Jesus replies and said, we must go on to other towns as well and preach to them, for that is why I came. And so he traveled throughout the region of Galilee and preached in synagogues, casting out demons. In other words, Jesus said, I know what everybody else wants. I know what all the other demands are, but that's not what we're doing. Because I just spent time alone with God and directed my life, and now I have a better sense of what's really important. See, Jesus knew that if he wanted to live the life of significance that God has for every single one of you, then it needed to flow out of a life and a relationship and a living relationship with God the Father. Now, how does that help us, really? I mean, how does it really help us to live the kind of life that God wants? You might be sitting there going, okay, maybe, but praying really doesn't help that much. How does it help us? Well, if you really want to know how this living this life of prayer that connects you with God, a really living relationship with God can help you in your hectic schedule, then you got to go back to the creation story for a second. I want you to think about the creation story and the difference between the creation of Adam and the creation of Satan. Because it tells us a lot about why this establishing a relationship is so important. So when God created Adam in the original creation story, God creates Adam in his own image, and he walks with him in the garden, and Adam walks with God, and Adam has significant tasks. He names all the animals. He does all these significant things, and Adam recognizes things about himself. Like, I I feel like I'm alone after naming all these animals, and God had already recognized this, and it's not going to be good for him to be alone, so I'm going to give him this task to name all these animals so he can discover this. But because Adam has time with God, and he's walking with God, and he has a living relationship with God, Adam is really kind of acting like I'm kind of part of God's family, and I'm enjoying what it means to like walk with God like a son. Now let's, let's take the other side. So God creates Satan. He's created as an angel. He's not just created in Eden. He's created in heaven. And if you read the scripture of what heaven's like and the angels in heaven, it's pretty amazing to be in God's presence in heaven and all of this activity is going on. And God creates Satan and he is is beautiful and he's amazing. It's this gift. And what does Satan want? Does he want to be with God? He wants to be God. He wants to be in charge. And so how does Satan act? He acts like an orphan. 
He acts like, I'm not part of your family. I don't want to be part of your family. And so he begins to act like an orphan. And he begins to, because he's rushed and he's hurried, he wants everything right now. And he begins to act like an orphan. It ruins his relationship with God. It ruins his, he goes on to ruin other people's relationship with God. He begins to live this life that's horrible. Why? Because he thinks he's an orphan. And the lesson in the creation story that Jesus already knows that we're supposed to learn today is that if you're not connected with God, you forget and you act like an orphan. Many of you might know, oh, I'm not an orphan because God, because what Jesus did on the cross, I can be adopted in his family. And Jesus says, I'm giving you the right to become the children of God through the bridge that Jesus, of forgiveness that Jesus built through the cross. Some of you know that, but Jesus didn't come so you could know that. Jesus came so you could experience that to walk as his loved son and loved daughter and to get perspective every day. And the thing is, is that when you're hurried, you miss it. And hurry often creates this sense of orphanism. Like I am on my own, doing my own thing. I got to get this, doesn't it? Like when I'm rushed and I'm panicked, that's what I'm really acting like. I got to control everything. I got to get everything done. And God says, that's not true, but we think it's true. And so... Jesus shows us that the unhurried soul can live a life with God, not just for God, not just as an orphan. Now, you might think, that seems still. Sean, you, uh, it's fine for you. You're a pastor. You know, you have all this extra. You only work one day a week, so you have all this extra time to spend with God. You need, and you're going, how does this, like, but you don't know my schedule. You don't know what I have to take care of for my kids and my family and all this other stuff. You don't know what's demanded of me. Won't I just get more behind if I really get in this unhurried state and I have time with God? Like, won't I just get more behind? So if you find yourself today wanting to make those excuses, like, ah, I just, but I can't, but I can't, but I can't. And yet, you still deeply long to have a connection with God. You find yourself between those two, then I want to tell you today you're in the right place for the right talk because that's what we're really talking about today because that's what Jesus modeled. So how did Jesus know how to do what wasn't just expected of him, what others expected of him? How did he come to this place of like showing us a new normal? He knew that hurry was the enemy of his soul, and so he knew how to slow down. How did he know that? Because I think he knew amongst the hectic schedule that he had how to live this life of significance because he practiced what the Psalms wrote a long time ago. This one phrase, this one verse is found in Psalm 4610, which is what we're going to look at in death today. Psalm 4610, it says, cease striving and know that I am God. Jesus probably already knew this verse. He certainly practiced this verse all the way through. When we read the gospels, this is his life. He did this all the time. Cease striving and know that I am God. This is God's great advice you to live as an unhurried soul. So today, let's talk about how do you do that? What's that look like? One unhurried soul, how do I become an unhurried soul amongst a hectic schedule? One unhurried soul first prioritizes margin. It first prioritizes margin. It's a different way of saying cease striving. Prioritize margin. What is margin? Margin is about having breathing room. When we cease striving, we create some margin, some margin. And you know what the margin is when you have it, right? Margin in your schedule. You know what it's like to have margin in your schedule. When, there, when things come up that you didn't expect and you're not panicked because you have enough room to take care of it, you know you have some margin in your schedule. 
When, you're, when your finances aren't packed together so tight that one extra bill throws you into bankruptcy, you know you got some margin in your schedule. When, when there's space in your relationship for when the other person is frustrated and spa, they're spazzing out and you're, you have margin when you know that you can actually listen to them and you're not like, can't hear that right now. Got to be, oh my, like you don't like go to just, I'm frustrated with you because you're frustrated with something else. You go to, let me listen to you. Let me hear what you're saying. You have margin in your relationships. Margin is about making room for the unexpected. It's about having this place where I can remove some clutter from my life that doesn't really matter so that I can put in some things that really do matter. And there's just two little words in this soul, this, this verse in this psalm that most of us, cause for us to have, we deeply want like a relationship with God, but these two little words can be this great gift if we'll incorporate into our lives, if we'll memorize them and meditate on them and live them out, and it's cease striving. Cease striving. The literal Hebrew words there mean sink, to sink in, to withdraw, to relax. And probably most of you have a hard time doing that naturally, right? We grew up in a culture that has a hard time relaxing. My wife and I were just talking about this. We were on a walk the other day. She's like, man, I'm glad we took some time not to just like, could have filled that time with all this stuff because I have all, I was looking around the house and there's all these things to be done and I just wanted to go do them. But instead, you and I just sat back and relaxed and went for a walk. Like that was, that was good. Like, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Like it's hard to not go do all those things and check that thing off the list. We are so tempted to do it. But really, that's just the clutter in our lives instead of relaxing. How many of you have, how many of you have one of these things? Yeah? Guys, yeah? Their email on there, texting on there. Isn't that, isn't that great that like, people can get a hold of you all the time now? It's much more, isn't it, isn't it fantastic? And, and isn't it great that you have email on your computer that can stack up? So while you're away, people can like, give you lists of things. Isn't that, isn't that great? And isn't it great that we can get around in our vehicles now? So like, anytime something, you know, stuff that used to be too far to drive today, now we can just get to it because we can just drive right there. Isn't that fantastic? You see, in our culture, in the industrial age, if you watch like things from like the 50s, like I Love Lucy, they would talk about like, oh, it's going to be so great because all of this new progress that we have is going to give us all this extra time to do stuff. How many of you have extra time because you have all that technology? I think you probably have less time, don't you? You have less time and less availability and less space because it didn't bring us progress. It brought us pandemonium. I mean, we are overloaded with information all the time, and it's pretty disappointing. None of that brought to us what we really desired because what we really desired was some margin, margin for relationship, margin for connection. And if you're willing to prioritize margin, to cease striving, then you might find that you have richer relationships and that you have the space to make wiser decisions. This is the great benefit of ceasing striving. And you know this is true if you've ever had the margin in your life to just sit with someone. To just, like, you know when you're sitting with someone and you're spending time with them and in back of your head you're not thinking about what you need to do next? Have you ever had that moment? Like maybe you're on the beach and you got your toes in the sand, right? Or, or maybe you're on a long drive and there's no place else to go and you can just spend time with someone you're just having a good time with them with no other lists going on. 
You know that it's true that your relationship is richer as a result. And you know it's true that if you've ever been in that space where you've had to make a decision and someone's demanded a decision right now and you feel like you don't have time to think about it or do something about it and you make a decision you regret or you say something you wish you could get, you know, you're like, no, get that back in my mouth. Like, you know that it's true that margin helps you have richer relationships and wiser decisions. And this is what God's gift to us is out of out of that space of having a healthier soul. Because when you're hurried on the inside, every relationship and every task is hurried as well. Now, most of us in our lives, I would say, I would say probably if you looked at, if we went into your house today and, you know, you invited me over and I, I went around your house, my guess that when I came to like one of your closets, it would probably look like this. And I, and I would think, wow, so nice. They keep their house so neat and it's fantastic. I bet it's like this all the time, right? Like, I mean, that's what we think when we go into people's houses, don't we? Like, isn't it? I wish my house was neat like their house because they keep their house so nice. But the truth is, if I came unannounced to your house, it might look like this, right? And some of you are like, you're looking at that closet right now and you're such a neat person that you can't hardly hear what I'm saying right now because you want to go clean up that closet right now. You're like, that is disgusting. And others of you are like, that's not bad. You should see my closet. Man, that's, that's <laughs> nothing compared to my closet, right? See, it's one thing in our lives when we go into a hectic schedule and our schedule looks like that and our finances look like that and our relationships look like that. It is one thing to have clutter in our closet. It's awfully inconvenient not to be able to find stuff, to have it all over the place. It's very inconvenient. But in your life, when your life looks like that, it's destructive. It's destructive to your soul. And when you're inside of your soul, looks like this because you're so hurried and so rushed and your schedule is so packed and you don't have time for people and you don't have time for God and you, you got to get things done and it begins to look like that and feel like that on the inside. It's destructive to you. And margin helps us see more clearly. It helps us be able to get some perspective on what's clutter in our life and that should just go. And it helps us be able to enter into those moments and be able to see the opportunities that we really want to have with God. And as a follower of Jesus, if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you made a commitment to follow Jesus, then you need to know that it will be impossible. And I mean this, it will be impossible for you to bring the life and love of Jesus to others when your inside looks like that because you have not been experiencing the life and love of Jesus. Because when you experience the life of love of Jesus, it begins to clear away some of that clutter. It makes some room in your life. Your life, your life goes from being hectic and unraveling and kept to being full. I mean, you might have a full closet, but it's not a mess anymore because God's helping you clean that up and you're getting perspective on what's important and what's not. You know, one of the best ways for me that I've experienced this is through Sabbath for keeping the Sabbath. Sabbath is just a 24-hour thing once a week where you don't do anything, where your schedule is to be unscheduled, where your schedule is to be, I'm going to connect with God, I'm going to delight my family, I'm going to rest together. We're going to do some things together, we're going to do some things that we enjoy together, and we're going to be in relationship together. And that's not because I need to get a rest from the week, that's because I'm getting a rest for the week. Do you understand the difference? It's not about resting from your week. It's about resting for your week. 
It's about getting prepared for what God wants to bring you. It's about seeing, letting God clear away some clutter, becoming aware of what's going on in your life. This is what Sabbath is for. I find that when I guard my Sabbath, it's really guarding my soul. When I keep my Sabbath, it keeps me from being unkept and unraveled on the inside. And it has become an anchor spot for me. It's one of the greatest places in our life that God gives us to have margin. But there's margin available every day of your life. So let's talk about a couple places, ways for you to have margin. I think the greatest way to have margin is to reevaluate. If you're going to have margin, prioritize it, then you've got to reschedule and reevaluate. These are the two tasks, tasks in front of you, to reschedule and reevaluate. You need to look at your schedule and go, what's clutter here? What looks like a closet? What is, what is really going to help me develop and what is just going to be destructive? You know, you're really asking this question when you reschedule and reevaluate. You're saying, is this pace sustainable? Can I really sustain this pace? Is it going to help me be developed? Is it, going to, is it going to increase my loving union with God and with others? Or is it going to distract from that? Is it going to keep me from that? Because that's the tension you should feel when you go to, to eliminate things from your schedule to say what's really important. And that's going to be a tough call for you. There's going to be stuff in your family's life that you're going to be like, we have to talk about this as a family because this is killing me. This is destroying my soul. We need to talk about this, not helping us. Though the culture might tell you to be a good parent, your kids should be involved in every activity on the earth. I'm telling you that God says to be a good parent, you're just going to be involved in your kids' lives. They don't need to be involved in everything in in the world. You need to be involved in them. And they need you to be involved in such a way as your soul is healthy. And so you need to be able to say, how do I prioritize margins? So you can do that by doing a lot of different things. Two of the things that have been helpful for me to prioritize margin, I've learned how to block schedule just practically. I block schedule times in my life. Like there's work tasks. If I have to work on something, I block schedule it, and it is on my calendar. I didn't used to do this. So like when I'm preparing for a message for a week, every Wednesday from 8 a.m. to noon is sacred. I'm preparing a message during that time. And I didn't used to schedule that. And do you know what happened when I didn't schedule it? It got scheduled for me. And so I wanted to work on my message that morning, but instead I was meeting with people and doing all these other things. And as a result, I I was hurried on the inside. I was panicked about what I was going to say. But now that's a sacred time for me. Like that's a simple way to do it. But there's also times on my calendar too, like from 8 o'clock to 8.30 in the morning, there's time with God. Like that's that's my time with God. I schedule it. People want to have meetings with me at 8 o'clock. I'm like, well, that's too bad because I'm not meeting with you. I'm meeting with someone else. Now, if you work and you're not a pastor and there's no spiritual excuse at your workplace, then I suggest you just make an appointment with someone. You don't have to name who they are. You can just let them know and have an appointment with someone because your workplace will benefit. Even if you're not a pastor, they will benefit from a person who is focused and has perspective, and is not hurried. And if you lead people, it will make a huge difference in your life. You relate to people, it will make a huge difference in your life. So I want to give you three minutes right now to think about something, to look at your schedule right now, to go, okay, what's, what's in my schedule? And on your outline today, you'll find some questions there. They're called slow down spirituality. I just want you to just rank yourself really quickly. And as you're doing it in this quiet time, Ask yourself, what's God saying to me about that? Go ahead.
How'd you do? How'd it feel to even have some quiet this morning? It's good. As you look at that list, those are just, those are just some questions to help you go, how do I reevaluate what's really going to be important? And what's really important is that you're living like a son or daughter of God, that you're, that you're experiencing the loving union that God wants for you. This is what's really important in your life. I mean, at the end of your life, all those expectations, that busyness, probably a lot of them come from people who won't show up at your funeral or be at your bed in the hospital as you're going, right? So what's really important? What's really going to be valuable for all of eternity? That's the question we're asking. And Jesus answers that by saying, don't hurry. Find times in your life for some margin to go off and nurture a relationship with God. Because he knew that hurry was the enemy of the soul. It was the great enemy of the soul. And if Jesus could take time in his very full schedule with literally having the weight of the world on his shoulders, if he could take time in his schedule to connect with God, how much more do we need it? And yet we make lots of excuses. We resist it. But I'm really, really busy. But I've got all these things to do. But my work demands all this stuff. But, 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 but my kids have to go here. My kids have to go there. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And God says, no, no, I want to give this to you as a gift. Will you simply receive it? And your job is to collaborate with God by just telling yourself, and this is maybe a good thing for you to say, cease striving, cease striving. Maybe this week, every time you feel that rush in your heart, soul, you just say to yourself, under your breath, cease striving, don't rush. Cease striving, don't rush. Because I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a full schedule. I'm saying that you shouldn't be hurried. And so there's this other thing that being unhurried does for us, and it helps us get through those excuses, and that's an unhurried soul is free from self-absorption. This is the result. This is one of the gifts that we get from not being hurried. There's this little word in this verse, and it's and. Cease striving and know that I am God. Relaxing and cooling off and having time for yourself, that's part of the solution, but it isn't the solution. I mean, studies say that if you go meditate, whatever meditation, form of meditation that you use, studies say your brain will be healthier. You'll feel better. You'll be healthier as a person, emotionally and otherwise, if you just take time to see striving. But if that's all you want, if you're settling for, you know what, I'm settled for like, it's just good enough for me to be a little healthier. If that's all you want, then try it. Just see striving. You'll, You'll benefit from it. But if you want authentic transformation, real change on the inside, if you, there are things in your life that you would truly like to be transformed and changed for good to be more like Jesus' life, then you need to arrange your life around the kind of practices that allow Jesus to receive the power and love from God, the Father. You need to arrange your life with those, around those kind of practices because that's what's going to change you. So that means an unhurried soul is able to sit in God's presence. And when you sit in God's presence, if you've ever been in that moment in worship or in God's presence, you recognize that it's not all about me. Like, have you ever been in that moment where you realize God is bigger than all of this? And all that exaggerated self-importance that you think that you need to control and take care of, you realize, you know what? I think the world's going to spin on quite well without me in this next few moments. Like, if I disappear, these things are probably just going to get done by somebody else. So an unhurried soul realizes, I don't need to operate like an orphan 
all rushed and in control. I don't need to try to be God. I just need to be with God. And so I start operating that way, and I say, I'm going to receive, I want to receive the powerful love of God in my life. I want a bigger perspective. Do you ever notice that when you're rushed, when you're a rushed soul and you're in a hurry, that everything is a 10 on the drama scale, right? Like someone would come up to you and say, I'd love to give you a chocolate milkshake. And you're like, how could you think about chocolate milkshakes right now? Oh, you're making me crazy. Have you ever had this? Like anybody ever experienced someone else did that to them, I'm, right? Someone else did that to you. You didn't ever do it, but someone else did it to you, right? Like everything's a 10 on the drama scale until God gives you a bigger and better perspective. And often worry is a sign in our life that we're hurried, that we're trying to be something be the center of something that God needs to be the center of. And our lives aren't centered on God. It's not centered on what God wants for us. Being hurried means making room to have that. And so, you know, if you, when I was a kid, you had these super balls. You remember the super balls that you hit on the ground? Like, a kid could get in a lot of trouble with those, like down the hallway at school. Like, it, yeah, it's, it's, don't do that, okay? But, you know, if you find really quickly, if you've ever had a Super Bowl and a tennis ball, right? Like when, when you hit the Super Bowl, right, that thing flies. When you hit the tennis ball, it bounces. But it's not nearly as powerful. Why? What's the difference? It's what it's centered on, right? The center of the tennis ball, it's, there's nothing there. The center of the Super Bowl is this compressed, super compressed core that's solid. And this is the difference between when you focus your life on centering on God, when you take time to be in God's presence, you begin to have a solid core and you bounce back from things faster. You're able to work through things faster. You're able to be on top of your game because your core is solid. But when your core isn't solid, you're not solid. And you don't bounce back from things well and you don't take care of things well because you're squishy in the middle. Sorry. Some of us are squishy in the middle other reasons. Anyway. That's, that's a whole different thing. All right. So anyway, so an authentic, if you want authentic change in your life, here's the deal. If you want authentic change in your life, you've got to take some responsibility for that. Now, when I, when, for a long time in my life, I would say for the first half of my Christian life, I spent my Christian life doing things for God. I, sp- I thought my life was still about doing things for God. So I knew that I was a son of God, but guess what I acted like? I was an orphan. I had to do things for God, hoping that he would be happy with them and getting them all accomplished and getting them all done and checking the boxes and trying to feel good about it. I was all about accomplishing things and getting things done and being in a hurry. I spent the whole front of my life doing all of those things. And I'm still tempted to do that now, but God's taught me a lot about having my life flow from God about bringing the living Christ first to myself, being with Christ first so that I can bring the living Christ to others. And that is the biggest and best gift of others, to slow down, to not only now not just struggle like with, should I keep Sabbath, but how am I going to guard Sabbath in a way that is good for me and makes me ready for what God is going to bring for me next? I have a deeper connection with God and a deeper joy and a deeper awareness. And that's, all, that's my responsibility. For a long time, I thought it was other people's fault that I couldn't do that. You understand? Like, well, if I wasn't so busy here, if the church didn't demand so much there, if I didn't get this phone call here, that, then I'd be able to. And now I realize, like Dallas Willard says, that it's my responsibility to arrange my days so that I'm experiencing total contentment, joy, and confidence in my everyday life with God. And that's your responsibility as well. It's not somebody else's responsibility. 
God's not going to do that for you. It's your responsibility to arrange your life so that you are experiencing total contentment and joy and confidence in your everyday life with God. And that will come from you sitting with God and being with God. You see, an unhurried soul is able to take in what God has for them and say, I see what God is doing in my life. I see the opportunities that God's providing. I am free to receive what God wants to give me in the midst of a hectic schedule. And busy on the outside doesn't have to mean hurried on the inside. You understand that? Busy on the outside doesn't have to mean hurried on the inside. You have a choice how you're going to appropriate. And language is important. One of my mentors once told me that he stopped using the word busy because what he found was he started substituting the word full. When someone said, like, what's your schedule like? Like, he said, instead of saying it's busy, I'd say it's full because it coached myself to say, you know what? All of that stuff on my schedule, hopefully, I measure it against the word full instead of busy because busy is just getting things done, but full is I'm getting life from it. There's something good in it. It's an opportunity for God to do something. And so ask yourself, what kind of life do I want to have, one that's busy or one that's full? How do I want to approach life? Now, I know some of you probably are still thinking, this really sounds good, but I can't afford right now to slow down. I can't afford what it's going to take. Won't I just be more behind if I slow down? And I want to tell you this morning that I think you can't afford not to. I think you can't afford what it costs to be a hurried soul. You can't afford the ruined relationships. You can't afford the wake of bad decisions. You can't afford the things that are going to come out of your mouth because you're hurried in your soul. You're unaware and unconnected with God. You can't afford it. Instead, why don't you, why don't you realize the benefits of connecting with God, of being unhurried? of having richer relationships, making wiser decisions, nurturing a good soul. Unhurry your soul. Learn how to gear down this time of the year, and you will benefit. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do right now, and then we're going to pray, and I'll give you a chance to respond. If you'll pull out your response card right now, this is what I challenge you to. I want you to challenge you this month, this week, to do something for this month. I want you to look at your schedule, And I want you to schedule some times in your calendar that say margin. As a reminder of I want to cease striving, just schedule it and it says margin. And it might be during your day. It might be during later on. And if you need a different code word for work, then use a different code word for work that's respected. But this is my challenge. Just twice a week. What if just twice a week for the month of September... You add times in your calendar that just said margin, and you use them to cease striving and know that he is God. And so if you're willing to take up that challenge this week to look at your calendar and find just two times a week, just write in margin to pre-schedule it. So when someone says to you, I'd like an appointment with you at 1 p.m., and that, you say, oh, that's, that's already, one's already booked. Can we do a different time, right? Or whatever that time is. That's my challenge. And if you'll do that, you just write margin on your response today. And maybe some of you will also need, you'll need prayer today. Someone, maybe, maybe some of you want some more information about how to get connected or how to be involved in something that's significant. You can check that off in your response card today. But whatever God said to you this morning about, I want to afford the right thing. I want to benefit 
from their relationship with God. I want to follow this way of gearing down that Jesus has modeled. Then take the commitment today. Take the challenge to do that. Do it well. Let me pray for you. Lord God, you are ever present with us. You are always available to us. And today, we so badly want a clear sense of your guiding presence with us. So help us understand that you've given us something better than any big sign in the sky, than any other thing you've given us, the Holy Spirit. If we'll make a commitment to follow you, you will give us your spirit. And if we will spend time with you, we will benefit from the Holy Spirit's guidance. We will benefit from being in your presence. We will benefit from being taking advantage of what Jesus did for us by saying, Jesus, I want your forgiveness because I want your presence. So Jesus, help us take advantage of that today, to take up the challenge not to just listen to the culture, but to listen to you to follow what you modeled for us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.